Um, so Ryan. Yes. You're a professor. That's correct. In college, not a, not a teacher. Yeah. No, you, you proper, proper yes. prof going to, uh, Valencia, UCF, whoever will take you. Absolutely. Any port and storm type deal. A couple other places as Ta- well. Talk to rough out there. And yeah. I'm, I, I'm in no way besmirching your talents as a professor. It sounds like you were a, a pretty hardballing son of a bitch, but you actually tried to teach people things. Yeah. I, so I, Part of the reasons we're having difficulty here in Florida is that they've changed the edu- uh, the education requirements for like basic degrees. Uh, whereas before before you you were required to take like U.S. government, and you are no longer required to do so now. It's like a you know option for like social out of social sciences, and so it turns out that if you like give students the option to not take U.S. government, um, about like seven eighths of your of your student body will will take that choice. What was the political pressure to do that? Oh, uh, well, that's a little inside baseball that was going on in, in the department primarily. So we really can't talk about that, Aww. you know, like overall. But like it was basically, you know, because of the fact that we were a required class, we had a little bit of like pull. And it turns out that, you know, I think that there was like some exploitation of the fact uh, that they were required class by some of the full timers and um, an inability to compromise uh, led to an overall draconian cut to our program. And it just is so ironic because, you know, it turns out that like political scientists, as we often joke, are bad at politics. Yeah. Right. Like the political situation that they were involved in, they like dug their heels in and refused to compromise and then um, ended up screwing over the department, um, which is rather problematic because as full time professors, they're they're contracted to have a certain amount of classes, uh, which means that as a part time professor uh, being on the cusp of potential, you know, contracted full timeness. the only people that suffer are the are the schmoes who aren't guaranteed classes. Yeah, you know, so they're like gambling with the house's monies to a certain extent, and uh, when they made that overall bargain, and so uh, in combination of all this, right, I've like noticed that, um, you know, there's just been a change in the way that uh, uh, institutionally and administratively, and even among the relationship between me and the students, right, the dynamic has changed a little bit. And we kind of teased about this, like, I've kind of, like, given up, right? I'm like, fuck it. Like, I'm just giving up. Yeah. And I think... And, and to be clear, when you say given up, you you merely mean... I, I actually, I guess, fill in the blank for yeah, us no, on yeah. what give up actually means No, I'm here. still in class, like, on time. You know, like, it's not like I have, like, um, shirked my any responsibilities um, about my role or, perf- or within the class. But my approach overall has changed drastically um, because I've... I, and once again, let me emphasize this it is necessary to do from an institutional standpoint. Yeah, um, I have you on because I want to I want to hear the reasoning and I want it I mean published is maybe a bit strong cuz no one fucking listens to this. But yeah. but just the degree to which this is a necessity of what you're doing and not simply a failure on your part to hold the line. Yeah, so when we when you have people you know have to take your class or as a department you know that people um have to take your class and pass it in order to graduate there's a certain responsibility within higher education to place certain standards upon which completing them means you are qu- capable and qualified to move beyond this institution. That's theoretically why they're required. And an inability to do so means that perhaps another avenue should be open, you know, that you should, is, should be sought by you in life. Yeah. And um, that is simply and philosophically not the way higher education is going right now. Uh, there, it, we are not, we are not standard bearers. 
uh, or or holders of an institutional standard uh, for uh, education within society. Um, you know, we are in a sense, um, you know, a numbers driven fact learning factory. It's um, it's very. It's very strange because while, you know, the kind of like meme that you hear from people about like everybody gets a medal, kind of like liberal education. I mean, I'm a product of that. And yet I was still flunked out of college because I lacked the kind of wherewithal and desire to do well. Yeah. Um, today, I see people without the wherewithal or desire to do well, like pass, like graduating. And I, while I know that there was always the case, like people had done this, um, you know, I like just institutionally, like numbers wise, like actual, like, <laughs> you know, st educational statistics, we can see that this is in fact, um, actually happening that, you know, it's about getting asses in the seats and then moving them on, um, and getting paid while doing it. And, uh, it's just disconcerting to see that. And I mean, sorry. Right, so, so what's the sacrifice? What is I mean, from a purely visceral gut reaction, of course that's bad. We mm -hmm. would rather have higher standards than low. Um, but what do you believe the net effect of this to actually be on the people who would other... What what were people actually getting out of your class? So I ran a really difficult class. I uh, put a lot of requirements and standards on my students um, to be up to date and to be to come to class prepared every single class to do a certain amount of reading and then be accountable for that. Um, you know, assignments due every single day, uh, quizzes given randomly to test them on material, uh, quizzes that are like fill in the blank, right? No, like yeah. the answer is not, <laughs> you don't pick the answer out, right? You have to know the answer in order to get the question correct. And, um, you know, I just said that, you know, there is the only way out of this class is through it, right? There is no way to like half-ass this class do half the work and pass. Like I just made that an institutional impossibility. Um, however, what this meant was, was that um, to a certain extent, it wasn't a class that relied on test taking. Um, in fact, at, at, at its most pure form, um, testing at one point in my class was only 30% of their grade. Uh, the other 70% of their grade was uh, was their work, uh, was, the, was the work they did in the class to prepare, uh, was the work they turned into me, and was longer form research and writing projects. And I found that I did have a kind of like cadre of students that understood the bargain, right? Because I was like very <laughs> open with students, right? I'm like, look, this isn't a test taking class. This is, an, this is a work class. But if you do the work, you know, I can't, you won't get an A, right? Uh, but you will pass. And if you want an A, uh, we can work on it. And, uh, you know, like you can develop in a way that will ensure that you can get that. But if you do the work, you'll pass the class, uh, regardless of how well you do on the quizzes. But this is like fucking nonsense because like, you know, students that do the work are much better prepared for the quizzes. So they were really, you know, like even if they had, they could have theoretically skipped all the quizzes and done all the work and still passed. But the fact that they worked hard, engaged with the material, and then scored well on difficult examinations and assessments, um, you know, I felt was something they needed to like be shown that like it has an effect. And this had obviously an upside and a downside. Um, the upside was, was that I had a pretty um, loyal cadre of students who um, appreciated and liked my classes. I would meet like, you know, you meet students in the hallways and they would say like, I learned more in your class than I have in like every other class combined. And 
because they like they did the work, you know, like they actually had to do it themselves. Um, but the downside from this was was that uh, I had and and especially in the last year have had a lot of um, negative reactions from students by by placing this kind of burden on them. Yeah, and I have found that more and more, and I don't want this to put this to like you know like this generation kind of like lot like millennial like oh millennial kind of logic, but I've just noticed that the changes occurred both within the institution. And within the student of resenting or just rejecting the idea of like working hard for th- in in college, it's it is kind of a sticky <laughs> a sticky thing to parse out. But I would say that I mean it, it's not like you didn't have your detractors prior, correct? Yes. Too, which is why it was critical you brought up that the class that you teach is no longer required. Yes, um, and that means that from an institutional standpoint. Uh, the deck is fully stacked against you now because it was possible the, the students would have to just grit their teeth and deal with it before. Yes. And now they have an out. Yes. And that is fully institutionalized, whether or not millennials can be blamed exactly. as exactly. being lazy. Yes. Which, for the record, as one of the generic people between the age of one and 40 years old who qualifies as a millennial <laughs> now, um, I do kind of resent the notion. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, and uh, in both directions, whether or not that's related to our laziness, we have been taught that in a world where the number at the bottom of the page is the one that matters, um, all the work you show in between, it just needs, you just got to get it there as efficiently and economically as possible. Um, and if you want to get an A, uh, that's why you take classes with tests. Yes. Because you can know with complete certainty that if you do well on a test, which is the easiest form of thing to cheat on, um, that you will pass and you will get all the grades you need. Like mm-hmm. this is, a, and that's not, I mean, whether we absorb that lesson and never come away from it, it's been, it's a fully institutional neurosis. Yeah. I mean, we, we're not responsible for that. That is 100% on, we can attach the blame game to the previous generation. Absolutely. That. No. And the way that they kind of established this because it, so much of it comes out of the incentives that's put forward, right? Like if essentially my class is an elective, right? Even though they're like part of a required core of classes, right? It's still, like you said, they can elect to drop this class and know they can go to some somewhere else uh, to get the requirement in uh, for it as well. Um, but I mean, I found that I was like getting students who were specifically taking me, um, you know, for, uh, because they wanted to be political scientists or because they were like history majors and stuff like, um, you know, they were kind of like seeking me out because they, they, they knew that I was like rigorous and, uh, especially in like my writing classes, right? So like U.S. government was the core of this, but then, uh, you know, state, local, and international were Gordon Rule classes where they, you know, students had to like demonstrate proficient writing, uh, and they had to do, you know, by you know community college standards, uh, fairly substantial papers, um, research projects in my class, and, you know, part of the benefit of doing that was that you could read through these essays and identify where people were having problems because you know i mean they're they're under you know they're like undergrads right so like their issues uh, are not um as nuanced uh as they uh as it would be if i was critiquing like master's levels papers right but at the same time you know i you know when you want to hold someone accountable uh part of doing that is saying you know their you know your assessment has to be affected by me holding you accountable and holding you accountable does not mean you get like you know, uh, relief, 
relief from performing poorly. Um, being accountable does not mean you get extra chances uh, when you didn't take the 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 first two seriously. Um, and you have to be fairly stringent in the rules that you've set out for yourself. And the fact that there wasn't any kind of extra accommodation when, despite, once again, being very clear in the way, in my expectations, um, you know, students performed poorly, uh, you know, a significant portion of them knew how to do what I was asking them to do. I mean, like basic formatting, grammar, things like that. Right. Uh, but it was simply out of an, 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 a lack of desire or laziness that they did not perform to that standard. And the difficult thing that I tended to run into over and over again was that effort kept, the effort exerted came with an expectation of recognition of performance. And it's not an, it, that's not entitlement. Like this is the kind of odd thing, which is that, you know, if you work hard, you get rewarded. Like this is something that all of us come to expect. And this is something that I've noticed was not like new, like just like recently, I mean, I, I knew students like this back in 2000 when I started college, which was that if I work hard in a class, I'm, I will get an A. Not because I produce a quality work, but working hard means you deserve an A. There's an equal sign. Yes, exactly, right? And so like, no, like there's A quality work, and then there's working hard to approach the skills and knowledge necessary to get an A. Do you believe that anyone in your class with sufficient willpower could have got an A. No, because the a group, unfortunately, many students come in lacking the kind of skill, knowledge, and ability to write at an A qual at, at a at a standard that means you're ready to move on to three thousand and four thousand level classes, junior senior classes. Do you believe that that is a result of their abilities outside of the school system, or do you just think that English comp teachers should have been more like you? <laughs> yeah, no, some of them would tell me I've never, no one's ever told me I was doing something wrong before. Like, this is the strange thing you get. I would give students D's and C's on papers where they would have like uh, two sentence paragraphs. Um, you know, uh, uh, they would have like, I mean, no, like seriously, like they would have like, um, like verb tense confusion within a sentence. And I would, you know, I would write these down in their comments and, you know, like there's a large, you know, a significant portion of mistakes, as it says in the rubric, right, reduces your grade significantly. And, you know, I would say to them, this is a poorly done paper for this, 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 and this reason. And you got a D and they're like, no, no, I get A's. And you're like, well, I'm sorry, but this is a poorly written paper. And this is quite frankly, if you had like emailed this to a client would be embarrassing, uh, an embarrassing representation of yourself. And, you know, when I talked about the emotional reaction that people had with me, the fact that like students didn't know that they were like confusing verb tenses or like didn't understand what a, how a paragraph is written, um, and weren't ever corrected by affecting their grade. Um, you know, I got obviously two sets of reactions, right? I got students who said, well, fuck you, who are you to tell me these things? And then I had students who were like, I, you know, Thank you. Like I'm fucking like I, I didn't know. And, um, you know, it's not to say that the job is rewarding because being a professor is very rewarding. Um, but I had students who worked their ass off and who like wanted to get better and, you know, who ended up with a B or a C in my class. And I wanted them to know that like, even for themselves, that they had to bust ass and work hard to do it. And you know, for some students that would be enough, but for others, it was like, no, no, I, I need the A from this. And I would, you know, I get like 
I'd have like I'd have to meet with my dean and like explain, you know, this whole method to uh, to them. And you know, while my dean is very supportive of all of this, the weight of student frustration uh, begins to wear on any sort of structure that you have. Yeah, and the it's it's both the it's both the right of vociferousness and like a volume problem. Right, they became louder, and there there were more of them, and so. Right. Rather than putting everyone through the juggernaut, um, I've just decided overall that I will run, you know, a more con a, a class more in the model of what Valencia is trying to accomplish now, which is this, you know, this in quotes, the student centered approach, uh, this one in which assessments are an important foundation for that. And while much of my older class was based on the on, you know, those principles. Um, the method has changed dramatically. And, and in the end, I've kind of joked about it that it's giving up um, because in the end, the class is much simpler and much easier as a result. And lest this seem like an indictment of the named college um, as someone who went to a much more prestigious college mm -hmm. than Valencia, uh, even back then, back when millennials were only just starting to infect everything, I was intimately aware of the degree to which I, in most of my classes, I still didn't get a great GPA for a variety of reasons that I think we've gone into on the podcast before, but you can get an A just by doing exactly like what you said. Mm -hmm. It's a talentless procedure. Mm -hmm. You can absolutely just do it. Look, I just, I just disagree that, that, that the methods of, and the, not the goals, right? Because like the institution of Valencia and I, I think have the very same goals. But the methods that are that are kind of like taking over education at the at, at the you know college level right now, um, you know I do not see as being you know performing uh, or or laying the foundation for the kind of like scholarly pursuit that college is meant to embody. And I don't mean that like the point of college is to create college professors in their ivory towers. My point is is that there is a kind of there is a systematic way of thinking about you know many disciplines right and in a scholastic scholarly pursuit and it's not to say that's the only right way to approach them but if we are not that then what are we um and because we you know valencia is not a vocational school and yet they treat education as if as if we are like you know building skills that can be used in vocation um it's very it's a very strange disconnect in the way that they talk about it um and I find that also it isn't, look, man, it's, and this is, like I said, this is not a unique problem to Valencia. No, not at all. This is just the data point we're working on. Yeah, with. exactly. It is something that I think culturally and institutionally, these pressures are coming down upon uh, this discussion. And it's just unfortunate, I think, um, because this was not the, like, this isn't the college that I went to, right? <laughs> this is not the kind of training that I received. Um, and it's. Just, I think it's rather endemic. And so I've, I gave up, <laughs> right? I'm like, all right, if this is the flow we're going to go on, um, if this is the approach that is expected of us, um, I will have to go on this approach. And um, unfortunately, this means that once again, it has um, simplified my course beyond what I would have considered, re you know, reasonable expectations. And um, I think that that's, it's just unfortunate because in the end, um, the pressure and the requirements that I put on my students um, 
got a response and they and the vast majority of my students were able to meet those standards um right my, my the problem i was having was not that my students weren't able to achieve the standards i was at uh the problem instead was the reaction um was the reaction that students had uh to being forced to reach those standards and in the end you can't fight back against someone who or an institution that values the you know the the input from the student rather than defending the kind of goal of what i think college is meant to be and it's just unfortunate because like i didn't have a huge amount of failures um i had students quit uh but they everyone that passed my class was capable of doing what i asked them to do and the only the only problem was that they had never been asked to try that hard or achieve that much before. Right. And it is <laughs> like, I was just really shocked when I came in um, that, you know, students were hesitant and resistant and then finally resigned and then realized, oh, there's actually something to like, you know, overcoming this and accomplishing something. And I don't think that we are setting up students to accomplish anything anymore. Like they don't like, that's just, we're not, like willing to put pr that pressure on them and people need to deal with pressure. Like, I don't know any other way to put it than that. Like there needs to be a kind of, you know, stress and expectation and a consequence for failing to meet it. And uh, that is a minority position, man. Like that is, <laughs> that is not the majority position anymore. So just real quick, right? Like, so we were almost in college roughly about the same time, right? I was a late bloomer when it came to college stuff as well. So I went back in 2006 and wrapped up my master's in 2012. I, mean, I was seven to 11. Yeah. Seven so to right 11. right inside that. Yeah. So like, you know, when we went back, so, I mean, let, let me, let's maybe talk about why I'm hopeful, right? Like why I'm <laughs> going to continue to be a professor, right? Like so we've kind of gone down, like I've kind of given up. I'm going to be the Valencia college professor. This has reduced the standards and expectations of my course significantly. It's bad because students were able to excel and meet higher standards when we held them accountable to do so. Right. Um, but fine. All right. So uh, where and what is hopeful about this? Um, silver linings. Yeah, silver linings. Right. So, I mean, was like your on balance, was your education poor uh, or was on balance your education poor uh, because, you know, you didn't hold yourself to higher standards as a result? Um. As a general philosophical principle at this stage in my life, I try to accept responsibility for everything, but okay, good, I, yeah. I'm willing to, I, I am more than willing to rat out um, the University of Florida for falling into this trap. Yeah. And I'm afraid that students are going to come uh, out of my classes less prepared uh, with, with fewer skills and, you know, it's going to, it, that's my responsibility, you know, like that's something I've kind of like failed on them. Um, and that's, I think that's disappointing overall. But I do think that the opportunity then is, is that, all right, well, you know, I will be able to find some students and um, identify some students who have the kind of talent and drive or interest in the subject matter and perhaps identify them as, you know, people that you can devote certain attention to and provide some opportunities or some ability to like realize that. Because I wouldn't have gotten where I was in, in college, right, through the same system where, it, like, let's be frank, um, you know, three out of four of my classes were fucking easy. Yeah. You know, like, um, not because, like, you know, the material, you know, not because of, like, some, like, extra human effort or ability that we share, 
uh, well, your case more than mine, but like it didn't show back then. Yeah, so exactly. you're safe saying. Okay, that. Yeah, no, but then like you know, for me it was easy because it was just like straightforward and the same old thing, and the expectations weren't that high. And yeah, um, I mean, my my problem was that as soon as as soon as anything became trying, my professors were insufficiently inspired to instruct the way that it sounds like you were capable of inspiring in your classroom. I mean, this is I have a couple of professors that I remember very distinctly from college, mm-hmm. um, and generally speaking, they were not in the easy classes. They Correct. were in the classes where the people gave a shit about what they were talking about, and. I understand the generic complaint, which Valencia can't use, but UF can use, where all of their professors need to be doing research. Right. Um, Except that they pay those professors, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I consider that to be a completely irrelevant defense of how poor most of of my professors were as instructors. Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you, knowing almost nothing about any of the psychology or physics classes I took that I could have taught them better than any of my professors mm-hmm. just by reading the textbook a chapter ahead of them. Yes. I could have uh, ahead of the students. Yeah. I could read a chapter, create, I wouldn't even need a PowerPoint presentation. That'd probably be a nightmare. But I could I could stand in front of a bunch of kids and teach them those things better than any of them taught me. Yeah. And that's incredibly frustrating. No, I mean, it is... Like they, like there's just this bizarre claim that we can provide the kind of like, once again, like the scholastic rigor, like I'd be all right if it was like, you know, like, no, we're just giving a well-rounded education so that these, you know, people can like understand the like basics of the world around them. Like, yeah, no, but they like, they really want to dress up that we can like accomplish the older goals of like scholastic rigor by like playing games in class, <laughs> you know, like, oh yeah, let's have like Jeopardy in class and, you know, or we'll like, um, you know, like they'll they'll pass out little notes and they'll have to like write down a sent a, a tweet summary of a topic or something. Like, you know, like they will they they will do everything to avoid like putting like requiring students to do substantive reading and to reinforce that through, you know, conversation and the written word. Like anything to avoid doing that. <laughs> and it's like, all right, like fine, like, but like this is the disconnect is is that they think that they can accomplish this like scholastic discipline and these you know know, once again complex systematic ways of reasoning right they think they're instilling this in students by you know saying you know you need to run your class in like seven and a half minute chunks so that students are active and they like get out of their seats and they like walk around and like you know like communicate with each other and uh you know like once again anything to avoid reading a book (laughs) right like anything to avoid like concentration and you know, fortitude and, um, it's just, but when you find students who are craving that, like that's when you truly know who you're letting down, right? When you meet students of talent who need to be pushed to fucking allow their talent to excel, right? That's when you know that, that there's something a little bit wrong with how we're approaching this. And yet, you know, because you have assessments and because you have a way of engaging with students that is a little bit, that is interactive, and I have incorporated, you know, I incorporated much of that as I was, you know, a hard ass. Um, you can, in fact, identify these students and allow them and give them opportunities to succeed and try to coach them through what they're, where they want to go, and you know, give them some perspective on this. I mean, I do like the fact that I can like assist and help people in the larger goals that they're trying to accomplish. I mean, even if they don't value the subject matter necessarily. You know, you can still try to relate, you know, relay to them the fact that, you know, this is a challenge you've set before yourself and 
you know, your success in life will be how you solve and, and, uh, you know, overcome challenges. And at this fundamental level, um, that's what college demonstrates, right? We've talked before about the signaling idea, the signaling theory of education. Yeah. And, you know, the, I, I can understand and respect that perspective perhaps even more so now. Uh, because it is essentially the basic model of like what it is to many people, like but both levels, right? From the students uh, to the administration, right? It is, you know, like this is, we are moving people through the, you know, those who are just completely unable to meet this clearly do not hold up to a certain standard, uh, but we are going to kind of like widen the qualification of what a degree means to people. And it's just, Okay, <laughs> now I'm, I'm I'm down. I understand it now. Team player, yeah. Ryan Riley. No, and it's like I've been I've my eyes have been opened, and I understand my role in this now. And once again, it's not that I'm not rigorous. It's not that I am not upholding my responsibilities because that's if it, you know like you clearly don't know me if that's what you come away <laughs> thinking about this. Um, it's not that I don't conduct a class of integrity, uh, but it is just do I run a class that will push students to realize uh, not only what they can accomplish, but also maybe as well realize some of their limits. Uh, no, because nobody had the fucking stomach uh, to do that anymore from top to bottom. And that's unfortunate. I agree. Ryan, thanks for being part of the machination log. Thanks a lot.